Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are tackling a topic from the mailbag. We got a letter from a practice owner who has a very inquiring mind, and they want to know, how do I get my associates to be more productive and still support their work-life balance? The ask is being motivated by the fact that the practice owner seems to produce more revenue in a a three-day-a-week period working with patients than the associates are all producing in four days a week. The practice is growing and profitable, and everybody wants to expand the practice footprint, and the practice owner is totally on board for this. And so they're wondering, how do I get them to produce more? And also, how do I support them? Because I don't want to run them ragged. Is there a common ground? Let's get into this, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie, check your balance, Goss. <laughs> How's it going, Andy? Good. It's good. Uh, it's good. good. We're we're recording this over the holiday break. Um, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> I did a, a tacky lights tour with the kids and uh, and with my wife. And we went to the Greenville Spartanburg Motor Speedway because nice. they had lights. And man, you talk about knowing your audience. So so there was there there we are, families in the minivan, and you go through like the line, you have to pay admission to get in and drive around. And ultimately we ended up on the racetrack with the minivan and a bunch of other cars. And so we're driving <laughs> around the racetrack and they've got the racetrack really decorated. And you're listening to the radio station that comes from the Tacky Lights Tour, right? And so you're okay. listening. And at one point, one half of the track starts to blink and this one big uh, is Christmas tree shaped light starts to flash. And on the radio, you hear it. And, and, and in the voice, the female voice of this tree, it says, boy, I sure do love how my side of the track looks. And 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 then the other side just starts flashing. And there's another tree over there. And they're like, yeah, but my side's better. And the first one goes, no, my side is better. And then they said, let, let the people decide if you like my side, honk them horns. And now I am, I am not kidding. I like these people know their audience. Right. And then the other side is like, oh. if you like my side, let her rip, honk them horns. And I'm driving around the speedway, blowing my horn in the minivan. And I'm like, this is amazing. This is I like I got every penny of my money's worth to come here. And and then and and my wife and I have been settling debates all week because we'll argue. And then I'll look at the uh at the kids and go, hey, if you think your dad's right, let him rip. Honk them horns. And I'm sure Allison loves that. Oh, she was in she was in stitches. I mean, it like honestly, know know your target market and the people who come to look at Christmas lights at the Greenville Spartanburg Motor Speedway, they're all about honking their horns. That's fantastic. Uh, they drive around. Like, Woo! Honk, honk, honk. But oh man, so that oh, was that was the most exciting fantastic. thing happened to me in the last couple of days. <laughs> Let them rip, oh. honk them horns. I love it. Oh man, how about how about you? Can you compete with uh, that? Much? <laughs> no, I don't think there's any competing with that. Uh, no, it's. It's been quiet around here. Yeah, I have a feeling the uh, the Olympic Peninsula uh, Motor Speedway would sound <laughs> not. Di- different. Uh, maybe not, though. I, w- I would like to go see. Uh, I have a feeling it would if that existed. No, it's been really quiet. We actually got the white Christmas that the kids are hoping for. And so the upper Olympic Peninsula in Washington is not prepared for snow. Uh, and so when it snows here, I've lived here now for seven years. And it has snowed almost every single year. And yet they are completely unprepared for it. And everything shuts down because they don't have, they have um, plows, but they don't salt the roads. They just sand them. And so it becomes a sheet of ice and it's, it's a hot mess. So uh, we have just been hanging out. The kids have been 
running around in the snow and thoroughly happy with their five inches of snow that's on the ground and uh, have been sledding and spending most of the day outside. And I have been curled up in front of the fire with a book because it is freezing out and I have less than no desire to be outside in six degree weather. <laughs> so, oh man, <laughs> There's that. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, one of my favorite movies is uh, I-, I love the recent Muppet movies. Uh, you know, the ones mm-hmm. that came out with J- mm-hmm. Jason Siegel's uh, and then and then there was a more recent one that had Tina Fey in it and um, uh, Ricky Gervais. And and anyway, that one, they're, they're both amazing. That one, I love that movie. And in that movie, <laughs> there is this thing where, uh, you know, the, the Muppets are being subverted by the bad guy. And of course, Kermit is the voice of reason at the beginning of the of the theater and and or the beginning of the movie and gonzo wants to do an indoor running of the bulls and kermit is like this is terrible idea this is like this is completely going to be a nightmare and he gets shooting down well ultimately kermit kermit gets ejected and removed and they gonzo does the indoor running of the bulls and someone runs into the screen and goes the bulls are out of control and someone else goes who could have foreseen this and i die laughing at that every time and when the most Uh, obvious thing in the world happens my wife looks at me and goes who could have foreseen this (laughs) and uh, that is like honk them horns and who could have foreseen this are two inside work jokes and so whenever they're like oh man it snowed again and we didn't salt the road (laughs) who could have foreseen this basically basically so you know we're we're staying home and uh we have been just playing games and reading books and doing, you know, low key stuff. And it's been, it's been great. So it's, uh, it's, I love the snow when I don't have to be out in it for extended periods of time. I went out and did the snow thing with the kids and we played and cleaned off the driveway and all of the cars. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done now. I can watch it from inside where it's pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So, uh, it's, it's good. It's good, but we have um, we have some questions from the mailbag, yeah. which I'm excited to talk about. Let's do uh, it. This one, this one is a good one. We got a question um, from a practice owner who has a question about their associate vets, and they were wanting to know how do I get my associate vets to be more productive. So currently, they bring into the practice um, they're seeing pa- so they're seeing patients three days a week. And they're bringing in more revenue wise than any of the associates do seeing patients four days a week. And so they are looking at the team and the wish list and the things they want to do as a as a hospital, which includes an expansion. And this practice owner is feeling like we could be way more profitable and we could start working on the expansion. And I would feel much more comfortable, comfortable from a money perspective if I could get them to say yes more often to taking on extra cases and being more profitable in their four days a week. And so this practice owner is asking, how do I find the balance between pushing them a little to see more and do more, and then also promoting good work-life balance for them and for the team? Yeah, this is a great question. And Mm -hmm. business owners everywhere wrestle so much with this. And I I have wrestled with this at at many different times. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... Headspace is really important here, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and so so we need we need to lay down some some headspace pieces. And if you get this, you're going to be okay. And if you don't get this, then you're going to continue to struggle. In in my experience, okay. So so here's here's how it goes. Uh, first of all, a hundred percent validate the scenery. I think every business owner feels this way at some point and goes, sure. if the if if the other people that work for me would work as hard as I do, then boy, you know, so much would be possible and this would be amazing. And why don't they work like I do? Um, everyone has that that thought if they sure. own the business. And even if they don't own the business, I think at some point we all look around and believe that we're working harder than everyone else around them, around us. You know what I mean? Like that is, yeah. um, it's called um, information bias. Like there's a natural tendency where we don't know what people are doing. We assume that they're not doing as much as us. And so yeah. uh, I think everybody has that. Okay. So so validation comes first and say, yep, I see that. I hear that. I think everyone who uh, is a manager has, has felt that. The, the, the truth of the matter is first uh, information bias is a thing meaning a lot of times we don't know what other people are really doing we look at one specific aspect of their job and said well if they did this as well as i do then mm-hmm. uh, things would be different and you go well yeah 
if uh, if you did the other things that they're doing, then uh, then you wouldn't be you know as productive in this area, and thus yep. you'd have a more fair comparison. And so that, that's just one thing I always put on is a lot of times we, we don't exactly know what other people are doing. We don't necessarily understand if their role are different than ours. And so first thing to do is is uh, you know put that in perspective. The second thing is to know that perspective is wholly location dependent, meaning where you're standing dictates what you see. Sure. I had a friend who was one of the most um, sort of liberal in their political views uh, people that I know. So they were very much about, um, they were very much about, um, you know, employee benefits and employee rights and taking the position of the worker, you know, and it, um, I won't turn people off by saying sort of liberal in their political views, but but that is very much mm-hmm. the picture is very much like, um, you know, workers' rights take care Pro of the employee. people. Yeah, 100, 100%. Sure. Like that, that's, that's very much who they were. And they held those beliefs until they <laughs> became the owner of a business. And that is the biggest change I have seen in someone that I have known well in my life. And, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, they didn't not become they didn't become Scrooge McDuck. You know, it wasn't a, right. a radical change. But boy, were these strongly held beliefs reevaluated once they were the one who could see what the books were and could see what was going on in the business and was really forced to look and make hard choices about what we were able to do and what we were not able to do and what was in the budget and what was not uh, in the budget. And sure. again, it, it was not like comedic. This person is a completely different person. No, they were still the, very the same person. But man, so much of their beliefs just shifted when they were on the other side of the balance sheet looking mm-hmm. at looking at the the real numbers and trying to figure out how to mm-hmm. make this work yeah and and I'll, I'll never forget that change in, in this person i knew it. i think it was it was one of the things in my life that really hammered home for me but yeah where you're like what you see depends on where you're standing sure and i put that down not for good or bad for any other reason other than to say um most people who are business owners did not look at the practice the way they look at it now before they were business owners, right? right? And the idea that people who are not business owners are going to look at your business as if they're business owners, that's just not realistic to me. Yeah. Like they're just in a different place. And I think everyone should work to have empathy for everyone else. It shouldn't be no one has empathy for the business owner uh, you know, unless they're a business owner. And it shouldn't be that business owners have no empathy for workers who aren't business. Like mm-hmm. that's all all mm-hmm. of that is ridiculous. It it's just true that um perspective comes from where you are. And people who are not the business owner and never been the business owner, they're not gonna feel the same way that the business owner is going to feel. And I think everybody mm-hmm. should just acknowledge that and be okay and be okay with it because being mad about it is not helpful. You're not gonna mm-hmm. talk people into it like they're they have the perspective or they don't have the perspective. And, and to some degree, we just have to accept uh, this is how they see their job. And it's different from how you see their job. And you better just come to peace with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 makes total sense. I mean, I having been on both sides of the coin, like I, I can see that. And I can say that I have perspective now that I didn't have sure. um, as, you know, just, just an employee. And as an employee, even even someone who I, I feel like I was always the employee who was willing to go the extra mile. And, mm-hmm. and I think I did have a bit of a business sense even before um, I looked at it from the practice owner perspective. And at the same time, like it is it is a job. Right. And, yep. um, you know, I was always the team member who was accused of being the the one who cared more than the practice owners mm. and that's that's hard too right like yeah. you can have team members who care in a way that is different and then you're between a different rock and a hard place so i think that that's super important and i think your point about perspective is is a really good one especially for this practice owner in terms of getting into he- to the the headspace to really look at this honestly because if you're coming at it from a from a perspective of 
they don't care as much as I do. I need them to do more. I don't think that the problem solving and the action steps are going to go as well. So I think your point about the headspace and the perspective at which you're looking at this are are really, really important. Well, so so there's there's another piece of it too, right? So the first part is just they people who aren't in a leadership role don't necessarily understand what what a leadership role or what is what is needed by the practice and so you say well why aren't they jumping in and doing these things and you go they don't they don't know or they don't they don't mm-hmm. see it or they don't have this perspective that you have because they haven't and they don't spend time in in this in the position that you spend time in i, I think mm-hmm. it's important i think another part of it too is um i i think a lot of us i think a lot of us as business owners forget what it was like to not have the organizational power that we have, right? Mm-hmm. And you, mm-hmm. you, it's it's really easy to feel bought into something when you have the power to change it and mold it in your vision, right? Mm-hmm. And so you go, well, why don't they care about it as much as I do? And it's, and it's like, well, because you have the power to change it and they don't have the power mm-hmm. to change it. It is this... Mm-hmm. You know, it is this, it's a job for them, you know, and mm-hmm. their their power in that job is fairly limited. And so their, you know, their their ownership of that job is going to be directly proportional to the amount of power that they have in it. And so it's uh, it's interesting. I think sometimes we say, why don't they feel about it like I do? And you go, well, because they don't experience it the way that right. you do. And I think that that's right. really important to, to think about as well. Ultimately, we we go through this mental exercise of, of trying to separate out the um the desire trying to so yes to separate apart you know what it means to be a good employee vert from what it means to 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 jump to ownership type responsibilities we sort of i want to i want to pull those things apart these people maybe don't they're not doing what you think they should do and i think that there are good reasons for that and and i think Mm -hmm. that we're ultimately trying to get here is that we need to achieve a balance. And I really think, I, I, I applaud the way this question was written because I, I get the sense that they, they get that. It's, it's about trying to achieve a balance, right? We want to push people, right? We, we mm-hmm. want to motivate mm-hmm. people. We want people to work hard. And the idea, oh no, how dare you try to motivate people to see more cases than they right. see right now? You go, well, that's, you know, that's, that's the job of the leader and manager is, is to motivate people. And I think we sure. all need some motivation at some point. At the same time, we should not have the expectation that someone is going to love your baby as much as you do. And if that's mm-hmm. your expectation, then you're always going to think that your employees are not living up to mm-hmm. uh, to their potential. And that's just unrealistic. And so all of that to say, we're trying to find here, the headspace is, what is the healthy place where people are motivated, but where I, as the business owner leader, also have a realistic understanding that these people are not owners in this business. It's a job for Mm -hmm. them. It's not their business that they they own and and that they are trying to grow. And so Mm -hmm. we're trying to strike the balance between those things. Being the owner and being the associate vet are fundamentally different things. Mm -hmm. And in this headspace, we should also therefore not necessarily compare performance of the associate to performance of the business owner. They're just mm-hmm. radically different things. Yeah. I mean, I I think that is totally fair. And I think it goes to that point goes to what this practice owner asked in their question, which is how do I promote a good work-life balance for them? And I think that the work-life balance, the way that someone can view themselves in a work-life balance is fundamentally different mm-hmm. between an associate for whom it is a job and they may love it. It yeah. may be something that they're super passionate about. They love their clients. They love their team. They're like your A-plus rock star associate. At the end of the day, it's still a job. And if they you know, had a family emergency or if someone, you know, their partner got a job in halfway across the world, they could walk away tomorrow Mm -hmm. and be okay with that because it is just a job. And at the end of the day, the practice owner has made the choice to have that commitment to maybe not walk away. Maybe still they could walk away from it, but but they're viewing it through a very, very different lens. And so I think your point about not comparing is really, really healthy from a headspace perspective because 
if you wait for your team to look at it the same way that you do, you will be disappointed until the yeah. end of time. Yeah. And I, I just I just <laughs> think it's I just think it's a hundred percent vital, right? Like the practice owners that you and I work with at Uncharted, they think about their business all the time. Right. You know, like like they take a bath and think about their business and they cook yes. dinner and think about their business. And you know, and it's right. it's not obsession, but it's constantly there. And it's not that way for the associate vet who comes in, sees their case. They may go home and think about the cases that they're working on, but they don't think about the business. And right. that is why I go, those two positions are so fundamentally different. The first piece of advice I would give to a writer is to say, stop comparing the associates to you, even in right. production. Now, now I, I get where they're coming from, but I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, Sure, there are blazing fast associate vets out there that tear through rooms and work hard and, and can produce outproduce the practice owners. That, that definitely happens. Those are exceptions to the rules, not the rules. I think that generally, because of their position, because of their perspective, the practice owners are going to be generally more motivated to do these types of things than the associates are. And I think that that's reasonable and we have to be okay with that. And so the first thing I would say is I would discourage you from saying, this is what I produce. Therefore, this is the target that others must meet in order to be seen as good or competent associates in my eyes. I think that is a recipe for frustration. I, I agree. And I would say when we start to talk about action steps, for me, a lot of it is um, centered around how do we take the emotion out of it? Yeah. And how do we look at the concrete? Um, and not just from a numbers perspective, because the revenue piece of it can be a very good driver for associates and team members who are financially motivated. And it can be a very sharp edge for those who are not financially motivated. And so the quickest way to divide the team or uh, turn off and get people to shut down who are not financially motivated is to come at it from from a perspective that is looking at it from from the revenue from the revenue point of view. So for for me, it is very much um, when we th when we think about action steps, it is about looking at things as concretely as possible and looking for me at the workflow and looking at what is the same and what is different. Because I will tell you, as a practice manager who has worked with a variety of different practice owners over the years, um, practice owners have the ability, we all as humans have the ability to look at things and have our perspective very clouded by the lens with which we're filtering it through. And I have worked with lots of practice owners who are amazing vets and who could do things very fast and often think of themselves as being more efficient or more expedient or faster than the associates or looking at it from from very much the similar position that this practice owner is that why well, can outproduce them right i'm only working 3 days and i produce more than them and so how do i how do i fix that and for me it when you dive into the specifics and you start to look at the concrete often there are things yeah. that skew it in favor of the practice owner. Yep. I've worked in many practices where the practice owner works at a significantly higher tech to doctor ratio. So yes, they're producing more, but they have more bodies every day or they are doing appointments in a different styles. It, it comes down to when we look at the concrete stuff, there can often be specific things that can be pulled apart. And I think that that's the really important part when I think about looking at it from an action step perspective is how do we how do we make this how do we take it out of the shades of gray mm. and how do we look at it from the black and white concrete um, perspective so that you level the the playing field in a way that feels as equitable as possible and you take the ownership piece out of it and look at it on a doctor to doctor perspective. Uh, interesting. So I push back against this a little bit, and here's what I was here's here's why I would say for me the steps to resolving this uh, issue are separate, just discard the idea that the owner and the associate vets are the same and look at the associate vets as their own entity and sure. then address the, the, uh, the problem, which is still the problem of, I think that these, that the associate vets could be more productive 
and uh, we could be more profitable and then uh, add the expansion that we want to add if they sell more cases, right? I guess why I say that is, I think comparing the production of the associates to, to the owner, as you're saying, it, it generally doesn't make a lot of sense. And we can dig in and we can find all these different reasons that, that those things are not the same. To me, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, like if you if you need to dig into the reasons to convince yourself that that these positions are not the same, then that may be a good exercise. You know that someone might need to do to get to get into a good headspace. If you can buy into the idea that associate vets are associate vets, and we should set aside comparison to anyone else and just manage the associate vets that we have, then I think you're going to have a much more straightforward challenge than. Mm-hmm you know, then teasing apart, well, this is why their experience is different from mine. And I I think that makes sense. And I think that that I think that that works uh, significantly easier in a practice if you have multiple associates, if you can compare associate to associate. Yes. And then then you're talking more honestly about apples to apples versus apples to oranges. And you still have to sort out the things that are different, right? Like, are they all seeing the same time of appoint length of appointments are they you know working the same days is one working more surgery days than another right like there's there's inequities that have to be sorted sure. out and pieced apart when you're looking at the actual numbers yes but to your point when you're looking at associates to associates and you're taking the owner as a doctor out of the equation it is much easier to have it be equitable yeah. and where i have seen this be a, a big struggle is for very for smaller practices that have one or two associates right and often it's a lot harder to make that equity when you only have one associate, you don't have anybody to compare them to, or you have two associates, but there might be differences between those two associates, right? And so I think that for me is about if if you don't have the ability to separate it out to your point. If you have that ability, phenomenal, do yep. it. Take okay. the owner out of the equation and look at it just from an associate to an associate perspective. And if you were a practice owner who's like, well, I only have one associate or I have two of them, but there are differences. That's where for me, you really have to lean into picking it apart in a way that sets it on the most level playing field yeah. possible. And all of those things are really important to look at when you're looking at metrics because they do all impact it. When you have a doctor who does way more surgery days or who works Mondays and Fridays, which are arguably arguably the busiest days for any practice, um, the, the numbers and the dollars are probably going to be dramatically different through no fault of their own to the associate who then works Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And I'm right back with you. That, 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 that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Well, and let me put one more other, let me put one more thing forward here. Um, because when you're talking about equity and you say, you know, we should look at this at the schedules and are people working different schedules? And you know, if you've got a doctor that works Saturdays versus, you know, if one of your th- three days is Saturday and, and they don't work on Saturdays, I go, well, you know, I'm not surprised that you're doing as much as they are because mm-hmm. you're doing Saturday, which, you know, right. is, is a bonkers day. And so anyway, I think that's important. But here's, here's the other one I think is more important um, from uh, looking at these things equitably, right? Um, and I, I see this all the time. I see practice owners who get really frustrated at the production of the veterinarians. And I'm like, I, I do so much more and I produce so much more than this person. And, and often, and again, I don't, I don't know this scenario specifically to say this was going on here, but, but I would just say I see it a lot. Often, the owner has been there for a decade and has built relationships with these clients. And the, the name of the building is after them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the practice owner has credibility and relationships with clients and loyalty from clients that the new associate vet who's been there two years just doesn't have. Yeah, And it's it's not about your skill in the exam room. It's about the fact that you have talked to your clients and known them for eight years. And this new associate has known her clients for one and a half years. And so when you recommend a dental cleaning, you're more likely to have that person agree to it and do it because you have that longstanding relationship, which the other person doesn't have. It's why we talk so much about when new vets come in, endorsement from the owner or the established vet to help build that trust and credibility. That stuff is so important. But anyway, the point being, sometimes there's nothing different that the new vet is doing or the younger vet is doing than the older vet. They simply don't have the long-term relationships. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times we say, oh, well, I'm working harder. I make better recommendations. And the truth is like, nope, you've just been here. 
Oh, he's been right. here a long time and people know you <laughs> and they like you and, 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 and you should be proud of that. But it's uh, oftentimes it can just be a matter of time and those things can even factor in. So again, comparison is the thief of joy, right? Comparing, comparing yourself to others for good or ill generally uh, just leads us to be unhappy other than setting a, a certain benchmark for what for what we think is possible. So if you're a practice owner and you are in the place that this practice owner is, how do how do we actually attack this and try and answer the question yeah. um, for how do I find that balance? How do I and for me, that's a question of like, how do I address it with them? Because you can't find balance without talking to the team about it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, let's, uh, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll dig into the actual plan. Okay. Hey, everybody, it's Stephanie. I just have to break in here for one second and make sure that you know about an awesome opportunity that is coming up that we do not want you to miss. We are back. We are back in person in April in Greenville. That's right. Our flagship conference in Greenville, South Carolina is happening in person for the first time in three years. And we are so so excited to be back with you guys. It is happening April 21st to the 23rd. So put that on your calendar now. And if you head over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash April, you can find all of the details as we sort them out. You will get to see the schedule as soon as we have it. Uh, You will get to see information on the speakers. We've got an event FAQ. You can shop our Uncharted gear. We've got safety information if you're wondering about being back in person. So if this sounds like something you would be interested in, head over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash April and reserve your spot. This event will sell out. We cannot wait to see you. So don't wait to put this on your calendar. You do have to be an Uncharted member to attend. You can find out all the details at the website. We'll see you soon. Now back to the podcast. All right, let's get into what are we, what are we going to do here? Right. We want um, we want to increase the production of our associate vets. And uh, if we did that, we'd have more profitable practice and we could even do an expansion. Maybe. Um, How do you go and say to the vet, hey, uh, I need you to work harder and do more stuff and sell more stuff, but do it ethically and don't take advantage of people (laughs) and don't upsell people. Right. And, And and be be someone who's worthy of the reputation of my vet clinic. And take care of pet owners, but also get your production up and work harder. Right. And do more things. And <laughs> life balance. Don't forget life balance. Go. Right? Oh, That's it. Uh-huh. Okay. How do we do that? Here's so here, here's the thing. Okay. Um the so the first point that, that I want that I made, I, I think, is is set aside comparison between just just manage sure. the person. And help that person to uh, to find motivation, give that person the resources and the support that they need to be successful, and then help them manage, you know, uh, life balance by setting boundaries to take care of that person. Mm-hmm. How that person stacks up to you is not important unless it means that that person is unmotivated or unsupported or, you know, uh, is not getting their their work done. The ways that, that, that I was heard, there, there's really there's really three steps I think in in this problem. And these are very simplistic, but but I think that's what they are, right? The first one is that metrics are key. If you don't measure it, then you won't manage it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means. If production is important, then we need to measure production, and we need to talk to the owners about production, right? We need to say, hey. This is what you did. This is what we're looking for. This is what our targets are, you know, and people won't even have those those basic level of conversations about expectations. And I can tell you, you know, as an associate vet, like I would like to know what your expectation is. And um, and, you know, and if I'm not meeting it, I want to know that. But I think a lot of times we have these talks and we say, well, they should be producing more. And I say, well, what are they producing now? And they're like, well, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and they say, well, what should they be producing? And they're like, well, I don't exactly know that either. <laughs> uh, the very first step is you've got to start to get some data, right? You, yeah. you have, you can't have this, you can't have a production based conversation when you don't have production data and you're not willing to share production data. Yes. And I would say that um, this is the the first step and this is often where I see practice owners make the biggest mistakes. Okay. Because too many times I think people go 
try and go from zero to 100 yes. with no plan. Yep. And so practice owners will often, I think this is a great example. You have a practice owner who wants to expand their facility. The team's bought in. There's, there's team openness and discussion to wanting to expand the practice. For a lot of practice owners, instead of approaching it from a, hey, this is something we all want. What is it going to take for us to get there? Which is very much a open-armed, getting their buy-in approach to it. Too many times people look at it, see the first step as being important, see that we need to be looking at metrics and try and go from having no discussion about numbers and revenue to throwing open the books in a way that comes across as dumping your problems on everybody else and expecting them to solve it. And, and that is the the biggest mistake. And so this is where um, this part makes me super happy because I love spreadsheets and I love getting nerdy with numbers. And so this is where I would say to this practice owner or any practice owner, if this is not you, if the numbers scare you, if you don't like spreadsheets, get someone on your team who can help you because you need someone who can look at it from an objective, unbiased perspective. Mm -hmm. And so whether that's your practice manager or a CPA, this is an investment worth making and it's one worth taking your time for. And so my suggestion would be to start actually looking at the numbers and pulling together the data and doing it quietly unto yourself before you go jumping in the deep end with your associate team, because that is where the most mistakes get made in my experience. Absolutely. I know I completely agree. If all of this is new and it's all at once, it feels awful and feels like, you know, the whole place has has sold out uh, to to try to make money and revenue. And that's very demotivating for for a lot of people in vet medicine, probably most people in vet vet medicine. Yeah. Yeah. I I love the idea. You start... my point in this is more so than making a presentation to the to the associates or to the staff. It is you have got to start picking these numbers up. The other yep. thing is is uh, you know the the metric that we were given was here's what the associate makes compared to me the owner, and I go hmm I'm more interested in what did the associate make this spring compared to last spring. Right. That's yep. that's mm-hmm. what I'm more interested in. I'm you know sure. there's and there's wild variation month to month, and you go oh. But look at December, we lost money. Well, guess what? You lose money every December, right? You know, right. like every December things fall off. It's not a continuous upward trajectory. But but you have to have some back data to know those things. Yep. And that's where that's where someone who is going to look at it objectively can help you pick out parameters and even it out so that you're not looking at it um in an obsessive like blip to blip fashion, which it's so easy to mm-hmm. get siloed when you're looking at numbers into those little things and you have to be able to zoom out and look at it from the from the big picture perspective and so i i totally agree that that makes sense and um you know i think that there can be there can be value in looking at your if if you have multiple associates in looking at them in comparison to one another if you level the playing field. But to your point, it is far more valuable to look at a new associate who's been with you two years and look at what is their year over year growth as an individual um, versus how are they comparing to uh, you know, uh, your other associate vet who's been with you for 10 years, mm-hmm. for example, you know, and has been out of school for 20. Like those things impact. And again, we're not comparing apples to apples. To your point, when you have a, a new a new associate on your team, all of those things matter. And so starting to strip away some of that um, and also take the pieces that need to be taken into consideration into consideration in terms of balancing your skills is really important. So I agree. I think starting to talk about the metrics is important. And I would I would caution practice owners that if this is the first time that you're really starting to talk with your associate vet or associate vet team about metrics, this is a long game. This yep. is very much a marathon, not a sprint. And if you approach it as a sprint, it will probably fall apart. Yep. I completely agree with that. <laughs> it, this is this is slow. It's introducing the idea. The yeah. first part of this is not holding people to metrics. It's just introducing the metrics. Be like, hey, yeah. we're going to start looking at some numbers. And so, but, but I do think, you know, it's amazing just sharing metrics with people uh, is motivating. You know, people look at, I mean, I remember uh, the first place that I worked as a vet every quarter, 
I got my production numbers and I, I had a spreadsheet at home that I put them into mm -hmm. just so I could look and say, you know, how am I doing and am I getting mm -hmm. better and, you know, how's this, uh, yeah, am I, am I growing and, and am I meeting expectations? And so that was, it depends on the individual, of course, but yeah, just getting, you have to get numbers on the table. Otherwise, it's about how are you feeling? And one of the things I will mm -hmm. say is some of the hardest working veterinarians that I know are the lowest producers because they run themselves ragged doing mm -hmm. work that doesn't get paid for, doesn't get billed mm -hmm. for, you know, or, or things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about how hard do you work. It, a lot of times it is what systems are you using and how are you moving clients through through the building and how are you working mm -hmm. up your cases? And so that, that's the first part is really is metrics are key. And so if we're not if we're not looking at numbers and looking at numbers with our associates, we need to start we need to start introducing that because if we're going to try to manage them to production, we need to introduce the idea of production early on and let people get used to it. The second mm -hmm. part is presenting the problem with true curiosity. I think one of the mistakes that people make is they go to the associate and say, "Hey, you're not working as fast as I am, or you're not mm -hmm. seeing as many cases I am, or you're not working up your cases as much as I do. And that's why your average client transaction is not as high. Yep. And once you put that on the table, you have just framed this issue very tightly. And what I have found usually, you know, I'm a big believer in seek first to understand. I don't know why this vet's numbers are what they are in the exam mm -hmm. room, because I'm not in the exam room with him or her. You know, I may be able to kind of paint a picture and I can look at some things, but I don't really know. It's amazing. I'll, again, uh, another thing I see is uh, practice owners that have their go-to technician who only works with them. And she's amazing. <laughs> and and meanwhile, the associate <laughs> yep. vets, you know, uh, have other very nice technicians who are much less experienced, for example. And yep. then that senior vet goes, gosh. I crush you guys. Why can't you keep up? And it's like, oh, because yep. you have, you know, yep. you have Obi-Wan Kenobi technician with you. Um, and I have, you know, um, six months of experience technician with me who's going to be great. But right now uh, she's learning as I'm learning. And it's it's you know, it's unfair to compare those two things. I think for me, that's um, those are where going back to what we we're talking about earlier, that's where from a metrics perspective, for me, we have to look at some of the inequalities. And, mm -hmm. and I don't mean from a revenue perspective. This is not just a conversation about money. This is has to be a conversation about workflow and process in your practice and your team as well. And so it only behooves you as the practice owner to identify some of those inequalities and figure out how do you how do you level the playing field? Because if you want to be more profitable, is it more profitable for you to keep your super experienced technician all to yourself yeah. three days a week? Or is it more profitable for you to lend that technician out two days a week and work on them training some of the newer team members to gain more skills with the associate vets so that in the long run, they're producing more as as a result of that. So that's where for me, part of it is digging into the the workflow and looking at the pieces that may not be the same um, between the, the practice owner and the, the associate, but also associates to associates, right? It's picking apart all of all of those things. And then the other piece to your point, I, I love the idea of presenting the problem with curiosity. Um, the other thing for me is this is about getting buy-in. And so um, for me, the balance, this practice owner is asking, how do I find the balance, right? Between mm -hmm. pushing them and promoting good work-life balance. Yep. T to, to me, the, the answer only lies in them being bought into the vision. And so if they want to expand the practice, my road uh, and my path to having this conversation and whatever uh, results may come of it is going to be far easier if they're bought in on that than if they don't want that. If they're an associate who's like, I want to work two days a week and go home and I could care less about what's happening around here on the other days, right? Like those are two very, very different things. And so for me, part of it is from a place of um, curiosity and buy-in in that, how do I get them on board um, with where we're trying to go in a way that feels inclusive to them. And yeah. so I would look at it from from that perspective and think about what is important to them 
in terms of their work-life balance? What are they asking for? Because if they want new equipment or new facilities or, um, you know, an expansion, it's way easier to have the conversation, any of the conversations, including the hard ones, about some of the metrics and workflow that you're going to have to tease apart if they're bought into that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So so here's here's the thing, right? Because they do ask, how do we maintain work-life balance? And it's always my assumption when we talk to the associates that maintaining work-life balance is important. I think it just, it just is, is how you treat them. <laughs> if I come to you, Stephanie, and you're an associate vet, and I say, Dr. Goss, you are not seeing enough appointments in a day, and I need you to go faster. <laughs> that is a <laughs> tightly framed conversation. You know yes, what I mean? Absolutely. And do you, does it take into account your work-life balance or your stress no. level or your anxiety or any of these things? No, it doesn't. I gave you a problem with only one solution, which is work faster. Go faster. And quite mm -hmm. honestly, do I know um, what you're up against or if working faster is even a possibility for you? No, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mm -hmm. just, and I see, I see that all the time. People go, you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you. You don't see enough appointments right. and you work faster. And right. I'm like, oh man, you made a bunch of assumptions about Dr. Goss and about mm -hmm. what is possible. And going to someone who's working as fast as she can and say, the only answer is for you to work faster. That's how people break and quit, you know? Yep. Um, and so, but here's the thing. None of us get compensated for how fast we go, right? None of our practices are successful because of the speed with which people move through the building. If they were, you'd have practices where people just sprinted around all the time. Sprinting does not translate to patient care or to right. revenue. It doesn't. And so don't tell them the problem is that they're not going fast enough. Go to them and present the problem and listen with curiosity, which means the problem is not you're not moving fast enough. The problem is we need to increase revenue in our hospital mm -hmm. and I need your help. And I want to talk about ideas that you have and what might be possible. And mm -hmm. now, my friends, now we're talking about what is possible. And it may be, hey, I need to speed up, you know, or more likely the vet, associate vet is going to look at me in my in my eyes and say, if I had trained technicians like you do. I could do a lot more business. And what mm -hmm. happens, my head just deflates because the whole time I was like, I'm so much faster and I need you to go as fast as I am. And then it's shown clear to me, oh, I'm faster because I have high quality support staff clustered around me. And the associate has the less trained, less experienced right. support staff clustered around her. And so now it's not about her going faster. It's about us doing training protocols and shuffling our technicians and cross-training and mentoring support staff, paraprofessionals, so that we can build efficiencies and move people through the rooms a whole lot faster. And she's not working fast. It may turn out that she's twiddling her thumbs in the exam rooms because she doesn't have the support staff around her that she needs. And I just use that as an example right. of, what, of what might potentially be the problem. But if you go and you say, I need you to go faster because you need to see more rooms, that is a very narrow framing and it does not take into account what is possible or what is accurate. And it's probably going to go badly. The more wider framing of, we need to raise revenue and I would like your help with that. And I need to know what your ideas and thoughts are. So start thinking about it. And we're going to talk in a couple of days. And I want you to go through with me. What do you think is going to help? Because we need to get our numbers up. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think the headspace piece is most important for the practice owner, because it can be very easy when you start the conversations and you start to pick apart some of this stuff. It can be very easy to to take it personally yes, and to take what they're saying personally. Well, I don't, I don't have the most experienced technician. That's not true. Right. Like that, yep. that's a really easy human response yeah. um, to being presented with that. And so this is where the headspace is really, really important. And so for me, the challenge is not only in presenting the problem with true curiosity, but then sitting back and truly listening to what is said. And I would, I would offer to you as the practice owner, just, just listen, take, yeah. take notes, hear them out and then say, I have a, that you guys have given me a lot to think about. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for sharing. I want to process this, right? Yeah. Walk away from the conversation because no good is going to come from you trying to respond in the moment, regardless of how positive their feedback might be. Yeah. The best thing for you is to say, to shut up, listen, 
and then say thank you and walk away for a little bit and really truly digest it because it can be very, very easy to take it personally because to your point in the very beginning, no one is ever going to love your baby the way that you do. And they are talking about your baby, whether you consciously think about it that way or not in the moment. Yeah, no, I agree. And I love the way you said that too, because it really does hammer on that on that point that, that I wanted to make so clear at the beginning is you've got to separate the associate that from yourself, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, and because they are, they are going to give feedback and they are going to have ideas. And if you say, oh no, this is a competition between the two of us, um, and this person is being measured against me, you're never going to be open and receptive to their yeah. feedback. They're not the practice owner. They're not you. And so just put your performance aside and have this open conversation with them coming from a positive and supportive place. How can I help you? One of, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I, that, I, that I also I'll put forward as a tool for having this conversation about presenting the problem. A lot of times what happens is we go to people and we say, this is not working. Here is the problem. And we, and we present like that. And it's very demotivating. Like think about someone coming sure. in to you and saying, look, there's a problem. This isn't working. Like you can just feel the wind going out of your sails. One of the best things we can do is go in when the person has been successful and has been having a good day. It's, it's when you go in and you recognize that they had the most productive month they've ever had before. And right. that's when you go to them and say, hey, you had a fantastic month last month from a production standpoint. What happened? How, you know, how, what was, what was good about it? What made this work? Tell me, tell me about the things that happened so that we could have more months like this. Cause you were, you were amazing. You're doing so great. I want to support this. And then what happens? You're coming to someone saying, I see you winning. I see you Mm -hmm. succeeding. I see you excelling. And I want to help you do more of this. How can I support you so that, so that this is easier or there's more, more, um, I don't know, more routine or so that, so this happens every day you come in. And that's just a nice way to open the conversation up in the way the person generally received very well. Everyone likes to be told, hey, I see you doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? What has changed? What is helping you? How can I support mm-hmm. you where you are now? Because you're just putting up awesome numbers. Yeah. And I think that I think that that is that is a happy, positive reinforcement way to approach it. The, the last part for me. Uh, so we've talked about about metrics are key. You got you got to you got to have some concrete numbers. Uh, you got to present it as a problem, and then and then listen to what the person has to say and try to get their input because that's how they're. You can't guess what their life balance needs are. I just think that's such an important lesson. You can't yep. guess what someone else's life balance needs. You're like, well, I scheduled you so you would have life balance. It doesn't work that way. The person has got to sort of say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. These are the constraints that I have. This is what I'm working against. I can't know those things. The person has to tell me. And so presenting that problem and listening with curiosity is the only way to get there. And the last part mm-hmm. is, is flexing to motivate. And um, I think a lot of people assume that money is a universal motivator or that's what people really want. It's like, well, I pay them a percentage of their production and so they're going to obviously want to generate more money. And you go, yeah, you know what? A lot of people are not motivated by money in vet medicine and good, you know, uh, for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Uh, and again, I'm talking specifically about veterinarians. Um, once you have enough money, money is much less of a motivator for a lot of people. Sure. You know, once your base needs are met, you go, oh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not really here for the money. I'm here because I want to do good work or be, you know, because I, I like the challenge of this job or I want to work with people and support people. If the only motivator you have is you need to hit these numbers and I'll pay you more, you're going right. to find a significant percentage of our colleagues who are not going to be motivated by that. And that's not, yeah. that's not, that's not a flaw. That's a feature. That's, that's yep. the people that we are and the people that we deal with. And so we have got to figure out what does this person care about and what does motivate them? And how can we, um, how can we lean into that? Does this person, uh, do they respond to educational opportunities? Do they respond to days off or schedule flexibility? Do they respond to bonuses? Do they respond to, um, leadership, uh, opportunities to moving up to having more, ownership of the uh, of the operation you know to having more input mm-hmm. into how the practices run and people respond to different things um i need to figure out what motivates this person and try to lean into their motives a lot of times what happens is and this is this is one of the downsides i think in in production based compensation 
there's a lot of people who set it and forget it. And they say, well, the doctors get paid a certain percentage of what they do in the exam room. Mm -hmm. Motivation, check. Moving right. on. And right. I go, that's not that's not how you motivate people, you know? And so are we, are we motivating effectively? Well, and I think um, to the motivation for me also here is very easily tied to ownership. And so as an owner, if you're looking at this and you're feeling like your associates, you're producing more than your associates, you're only looking at one piece of the ownership puzzle. Mm -hmm. And so the reality is there are doctors on your team who are motivated, motivated by the patients and the patient care matters the most to them. That's an opportunity for you to create ownership drive in them in a in a way that is still going to benefit your practice in the long run. Put them in charge of um, creating new patient care policies or protocols or training the team, or there are a million different facets of that from an ownership perspective. And that takes something off of your plate, right? It doesn't all have to be financial. There are associates that are driven by their interactions with the team and their love of the team that they're working with. Create opportunities for them to take ownership of that. Again, you are not directly solving your revenue question, but practice ownership is not solely a picture of numbers and revenue. Yeah. If you know, and so this is an opportunity for for you as the practice owner to maybe take some things off of your plate in other areas of ownership, um, even just little bits by allowing your associates to take ownership in other areas that then frees you up to think more creatively about the revenue pieces if that's not something that motivates them. Yeah. Because I think your point is really important, Andy, which is that so many times we forget that the money doesn't motivate, I would say, honestly, the vast majority of people in veterinary medicine. And um, and so we need to think creatively about how are we going to motivate them? Yeah, there's a scene from the show Mad Men that I always really liked. And and, and uh, it was just one that, that's, I did not follow the show very very closely, but but this is a scene that I that sort of saw that just stuck with me, whatever. But, um, you know, so uh, Don Draper is, is, is there and he's, uh, he's been paying his assistant and she's, she's doing this work and she's doing this creative work. And at some point she's upset and she's going to leave. And Don says, why are you leaving? And she says, you don't show me appreciation. And he said, that's what the money is for. <laughs> And I see, I see that sentiment, you know, like, sure. what do you mean? That's what the money is for. And I just, that, that resonated so strongly with me of like, cause you see that mentality and you go, sure. yeah, that's, that's not, that's not what a lot of, uh, a lot of us are looking for. So anyway, yeah. uh, I, I think this has been really good stuff. I'm glad we, I'm glad we sort of walked through it and everything. I hope this is helpful uh, to the writer. Um, this is, you know, this is a, it's a good challenge. It's a creative challenge. I, yeah. I think just to summarize, if you let yourself get into the mental pigeonhole of this person is not as effective as me and the only answer to the solution is for this person to work harder and faster, um, I think that your options are very limited and I've mm -hmm. seen that challenge go very badly. Yeah. I think if you say the problem here is it, my, my production un un you know, uninvolved in this, you know, removing myself from this equation, we need to get revenue uh, for our practice up. And sure. I would like to go have a conversation about how we're going to do that. And the first thing we're going to do is, is start tracking our revenue and looking right. at production. Um, but then beyond that, we need to talk about what we can do to increase production. And the reason I would say that too, is to put it this way, if there is a solution where the associate veterinarian does not work any faster and generates significantly more revenue for your practice. Are you okay with that? Or do you just really need this person to work faster? It's um, <laughs> a good question. Yeah, so that, that's the point. So open yourself up to a, to a broader conversation. And, and, yeah. and, then at the, and at the end, you know, we're working with what we're working with, which means um, it doesn't matter that the other associates are motivated by X if the associate I need to, to motivate is motivated by Y. Like it doesn't right. matter that that's how right. people are motivated, and um, you know it doesn't it doesn't matter what what I do, you know, for versus what someone else does, and it sure. and it may also be that this uh, 
veterinarian is not fast uh, and they're not going to be fast. Right. And does that, does that mean you're going to chase them? You're going to chase them off because they're not right. as fast as you would like them to be. If you've got your pick of veterinarians and they're just lined up down the road waiting for an opportunity <laughs> and, you you know, you got so many of them, uh, then maybe it does mean that they're not going to work out. But if they're a good cultural fit and the biggest problem is they're not as fast as you like, I don't know if that's uh, if that's something I want to part ways over. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah, everybody. I hope this was helpful. You guys take care of yourselves. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.